So last week, as Dave said, we started the story of Israel. We discussed the calling of Abraham and uh, this wonderful story where God tells Abraham he will make him into a great nation. He calls him to a new land and he promises Abraham that the nations of the world will be blessed through him and through his descendants. And so as we think about the calling of the nation of Israel, let's just recap what's happened so far. So God's made it clear to Abraham that he'll be the father of this nation. He's made this statement, first of all, in Genesis chapter 12, as Martin discussed uh, last week. And then, as Martin mentioned, he reiterated this in Genesis chapter 15. And when God first makes his statement to Abraham, Abraham is 75 years old and has no children. And his wife, Sarah, has been unable to conceive. And in spite of this, God continues to make this statement about Abraham being the father of the nation. In fact, in Genesis 15, as Martin mentioned last week, he points Abraham to the night sky and says, look at the stars, Abraham, count them if you can. This is how great the number of your descendants will be. So throughout the chapters, we see Abraham battling with the challenge of the fact that God has made these promises to him, and yet at the same time, his wife Sarah is unable to conceive. And so Abraham eventually takes matters into his own hands, has a son with his wife's maid, Hagar, but the son whose name is Ishmael is not to be, to be the heir to the promises made by God to Abraham. Then miraculously, God grants Abraham and Sarah a child, Isaac. Uh, In spite of the fact that sometimes Abraham just didn't get it right, the blessing of God came upon him and came upon his family. And the next part of the story uh, of Israel is established and Isaac is born. And so the, the story of Israel continues to move forward, this wonderful fulfillment of the promise of God. And so Isaac is born and he grows into adolescence. And this is where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. So, sometime later, God tested Abraham. So, with, with the backdrop of all of this in mind, the promise the inability of Sarah to become pregnant, the waiting, the frustration, the disobedience with Hagar, the wonderful news of Sarah being pregnant, and then the birth of Jesus. This is how we've arrived at the, the birth of Isaac, Jesus. My wife just looked at me and said, Jesus? It's a good job she's here, I tell you, for many, many reasons. Uh, so that's how we've arrived at the sometime later. God tested Abraham is the next statement. I don't know what things come into your mind when you hear the word test. Test has never been one of my favorite words. I think of sweating over school desks when I think of tests. I think of the horror of my accountancy exams. I think I particularly remember my driving tests. <laughs> All four of them. I failed the first one because I drove the wrong way down a one-way street. I failed the second one because I mounted the curb on a three-point turn, nearly killing a pedestrian. (laughs) I can't actually remember why I failed the third one, but I do remember the examiner looking very pale by the end of it. (laughs) So when I think of tests, I don't particularly think of anything very pleasant at all. 
However, I do believe also that life brings tests to us. Very significant tests occur during the course of our lives. And it seems possible that sometimes these tests are sent to us by God Himself, or or certainly at least that God permits these tests to happen in His sovereignty. And when it comes to testing, I think it's very important to understand there's a vast difference between what God does and what the devil does. Because sometimes God allows tests to confirm our faith and to strengthen us, but the devil will test us and tempt us in order to corrupt us and to weaken us. Our previous teaching series was the book of James, and in James 2, verse 22, we find the writer tells us that God was testing Abraham so that his faith could be made complete. So, this is the very first point of application for us today. When we've, we've only got to verse 2. When we find that we are facing tests, no, we've only got to verse 1. When we find we're facing tests in our lives, this gives us an opportunity to be strengthened in our faith. It's not always easy to understand or hear, but that is the truth. That is the reality. It also gives us an opportunity to shine and makes us more like Christ. And so sometimes the result of this is that others see God's greatness revealed in us as we respond in a godly way to the tests that come towards us at times. So, so with this in mind, let's look now at verse 2. Yeah, we're making progress. We, we discover the nature of this particular test. This is what God says. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, we may argue that this seems like a very severe test. God is saying to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. I don't know if you noticed, but this verse is not made up of gracious requests from God, is it? He uses the words take, go, sacrifice. What is this all about? It seems really tough, doesn't it, when we hear this passage? I think it's really important to start with that we remember that when God tested Abraham in this way, Abraham had been walking with God for something like 35 years at this point in time. God is sovereign. He doesn't provide Abraham with his most difficult test until he knew Abraham was more than equipped to deal with it. He allows us to be tested when we know, when he knows we are prepared for those tests. And in his sovereign grace, I genuinely believe that he does not give us tests that we cannot pass. Let me say that again. In his sovereign grace, I genuinely believe that God does not give us tests that we cannot come through, that we cannot pass. The reality is that God is not capable of evil. This means that the sacrifice of Isaac and God's demand upon Abraham here, it cannot be wrong. This is a tough deal, isn't it? It's a tough deal. When God gives us something we long for, what will our attitude be when he demands it back? That's challenging stuff. It's a famous story. Some of you will have heard this story of a man who's walking along a cliff edge and suddenly he slips and he falls and he just grabs a branch that's stuck out and he's, he's sort of hanging there and he's looking down uh, at the chasm below 
And, um, and then he looks back up to the mountain path and he shouts, is there anybody up there? And a voice comes back, yes, I am here. And the man's clinging on, he's shouting, who are you? The voice answers, I am God. The man says, ooh. The man says, what shall I do? And God says, well, if you trust me, let go of the branch and I'll, I will ensure your safety. And the man says, what? And God repeats, trust me, let go of the branch and I will ensure your safety. And there's a pause. And the man thought very carefully. And he considered the statement made by God. And then he looked up again and he responded, is there anyone else up there? (laughs) See, when God speaks to us about letting things go, it isn't always easy, is it? But if we've heard his voice, then we know it's in his hands. He's got it covered. He knows best. In verse 3, we see Abraham's response to this remarkable response. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Boom. Immediate obedience. If God calls us to do something exciting and new and something that we will really enjoy, I suspect it's quite easy for us to be obedient. If God calls us to something difficult that will really test us, I don't think it's quite so easy to be obedient. If I say to my teenage sons, I command you to eat your ice cream, do you know what? That's not a very good test to how well they'll obey me. But if I say to them, tidy your rooms, that's a test. That's a better test, I would say. Here we see Abraham obeying a command which was as difficult as it could possibly be, surely. But as we keep reading, we see that Abraham's obedience was based on faith from verse 4. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Why do you think Abraham told his servants to stay behind? I was wondering about this. May, I don't know. Maybe. This is just a thought, just a suggestion. Maybe it was because they might have tried to stop him as he followed God's instructions to sacrifice his son. They may have concluded, whoa, the old man's lost the plot, finally. He's gone do lally. Senility has finally kicked in. We better get, get this, this crazy old fool off his son quickly. I don't know. Maybe. Abraham was convinced that God had instructed him to do what he was doing. And so 
I'm suggesting to you that maybe he decided he would definitely remove any potential obstacles which would prevent him from being obedient. That's a challenge to me. Making sure I'm obedient to God by taking away obstacles which may prevent me from being obedient. How do you feel about that? I feel pretty challenged about that. But this incredible obedience was based upon his faith. The phrase in verse 5 is a clue to this. Abraham said to his servants, we will worship and then we will return to you. Notice that? Abraham uses the first person plural. We. And there's only two of them. Abraham and Isaac. And yet he says, we will come back to you. His faith in God motivates him to continue to be obedient to all that God is saying to him. The the writer of the book of Hebrews says this, chapter 11 from verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Abraham's faith was motivating, to, motivating him to obey God in spite of the fact that what was being proposed was entirely illogical. God's command surely was going against all logic. Humanly speaking, this was contradictory. This was inconsistent. As I've said, God had promised Abraham that he would establish his covenant with Isaac and it would be an everlasting covenant uh, for his descendants. And that's Genesis 17, verse 19. And, and, And in his ancient years, Abraham has this child. He becomes the father. And now God wants to take his son. This doesn't make sense. And yet Abraham was obedient and did what contradicted logic because of his faith in the power of God to even raise Isaac from the dead. How do you feel about being obedient to God when it seems entirely illogical? Praying for people with serious illnesses. Stepping out when we're in danger of looking really foolish. Being in a situation, I've said this before, please excuse me, being in a situation where actually unless God turns up, we're stuffed. It's another challenge for us, isn't it? It's a challenge for us. Isaac suddenly has a thought. They're walking along with the wood, the materials, the knife, and then something dawns on Isaac. Dad, there seems to be something missing. We've got everything apart from the sacrifice. What are we going to use, Dad? What would you have said if you'd have been Abraham? Well, son, frankly, you're it. No, he didn't say that. He told Isaac, actually what he said was God's got it covered. See, I want to be more like Abraham. I want to be in a place where I can say I'll obey God whatever he asks of me because I know he's got it covered. I know he will provide what I need. Abraham was in that place because he had been consistently walking with God. This is a powerful provocation for us. The closer we walk with our Heavenly Father. The closer we are to Him, the, the greater, I believe, our ability to trust Him in every circumstance. Let's read on from verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there. 
and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son. Abraham, because of his faith, was prepared to take obedience to the nth degree. Notice that in this little bit here. I wonder at what point I would have stopped. Maybe I would have been okay to build the altar. Maybe I could have arranged the wood. But what about binding, tying up my son? What about placing him on the altar? What about taking up the knife? Maybe I'd have only been obedient so far. I think there's a lesson again here for us. It's a lesson about our hearts. It's a lesson about how we understand obedience to be, what, what we really understand it to be. One other point. Isaac was a strong young man. His father was very elderly. And yet what we see here is a son fully submitting to his father. Surely, Isaac could have over, overpowered his elderly father. Surely, he could have just run off. Come on, Dad, catch me if you can. You're 110. Come on. <laughs> I think I've got you here. But obedience to his father, whatever the cost. It seems to me there are many points of application, many lessons for us here. Let's finish this section, verse 13. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven, a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So ultimately we discover the one who provided the test also is the one who brings the provision. I think if I'd have been Abraham, I'd been inclined to call the place Abraham was obedient. <laughs> but he didn't. He called the place the Lord will provide. Abraham doesn't focus on his own obedience. He focuses on God's mercy, God's faithfulness. We're going to spend time focusing on God's faithfulness tonight in our encounter meeting. So we see God's provision as he provides the ram for the sacrifice, but also he reminds Abraham of the great promise to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so Abraham comes through this incredible test and the nation of Israel continues to be secure under the sovereignty of God. And as we've gone along, I think there are 
a number of lessons for us. The first is that sometimes we face tests. There may be people here right now who have just gone through tests. Maybe you're currently going through tests. Can I say we want to stand with you? We want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. The family of, a, of the church needs to be the place where we care for one another during testing times. The second lesson is about how we sometimes respond to these tests. A godly response to the tests of life can prove to be a powerful witness to those around us. And that can be a real challenge for us, but it can be incredibly powerful. Thirdly, is there anything that we're holding on to that so tightly that we are unprepared to give it to God? Think of the man clinging to the branch. Do we need to consider bringing something to God that we've been holding on to and we know actually we shouldn't be holding on to it? Let's be ready to follow Abraham's example there. Next, in the light of test, do we have faith that God has the situation completely covered? And are we ready to be fully obedient, even dealing with any obstacles that may prevent us from being obedient? And finally, are we prepared to be obedient to God even when it seems to go against all human logic? I mentioned before things like praying for the sick or stepping out in faith when we might end up looking stupid. And so there are, as you can see, there are many points of application for us here today. But it's still a struggle to get hold of this story, don't you think? It's a tough, tough story. And the whole thing goes against the grain. God commanding Abraham to do such a thing. It's great when you know the end. But it can be pretty hard to accept. The great Christian reformer, Martin Luther once read this passage to his family for their devotional time with his wife, Katrina von Bora, and Katie's response to the story was, I do not believe it. God would not have treated his son like that. And Luther replied, but Katie, he did. We see in this story of Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac something which is theologically called a type of Christ. This is where an Old Testament story points forward to the story of Christ, and particularly in this instance, the story of redemption through Christ. Let's just look at some of the interesting ways in which this story reminds us of all that Jesus has accomplished when he died on the cross for our sins. So firstly, Isaac's birth was a miracle, but the greater miracle was the virgin birth of Jesus. Secondly, the three-day journey to Moriah, during which Abraham's heart agonized over his only son, parallels those three days that God must have been agonizing over the separation from his only son. Thirdly, Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. The Bible predicted that God would raise Jesus from the dead. Next, Abraham led Isaac to Moriah, to the altar of the sacrifice, to the mountain, as it were. God led Jesus to the temple mount and then ultimately to the hill of Calvary and the cross there. 
Here's another interesting one. Isaac carried the wood to his place of sacrifice. Jesus carried his wooden cross to his place of sacrifice. Both Isaac and Jesus willingly accepted the call of God to be sacrificed. Both Isaac and Jesus were bound. God offered up his only son. Abraham offered up his only son. Isaac trusted the character of his father. Jesus Christ trusted the character of his father. Both Isaac and Jesus were delivered from death on the third day. God shared with Abraham a miracle, an altar, and a sacrifice. And they both instructed, bound, and willingly offered their trusting sons in death. And together they gave all. Together they were delivered and rejoiced in the triumph of their sons, received back from the dead. If you're, not, if you're here today and you're not sure of your faith, I want you to understand that Jesus, the love of God means that Jesus has died for your sins. That he took the punishment that we deserve because he died in our place. And if we put our faith in Jesus and all that he has accomplished on the cross, we receive the gift of eternal life. When we see that Jesus has conquered death by rising from the grave, as we put our faith in Jesus, we no longer have to fear death. We started this meeting with talking about the the issues of fear. People often fear death. We can be sure that we will go to heaven when we die. So as I conclude, I want to invite the worship team to come back, please. Would you do that? We're going to continue, come back into worship before we share communion together. I hope you can see why all of this is pointing towards a time where we share communion and remember what Christ has done. But let's remember, in the context of the story of Israel, as Isaac was received back from the dead in order to establish a people of God, let's not forget that, Isaac was received back from the dead in order to establish the nation of Israel, the people of God, Jesus, in complete fulfillment to the promises made by God to Abraham, Jesus, as he rose from the grave, he established a people of God for all time a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who would eternally belong to God. Let's stand together. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. This incredible story of Isaac points us to Jesus. It points us to our worship. It points us to communion. But it also causes us to realize the importance of our own obedient response to God today. With this in mind, I'd love us to pray together. Let's just close our eyes. Should open our hearts to God. Just going to give some space and time for individuals to pray their own prayers. And I'm just going to guide you. As we recognize that this story points us towards the greatest sacrifice, Christ's death for our sins, I want us to come today to God for ourselves. As Josiah plays, in the quietness of our own minds and our hearts, I want us right now to speak to God, just in the quietness of our own hearts. 
First of all, I want us to recognize our own failings and our own sin and just once again, just say sorry to God. Or maybe for the first time, just say sorry to God for the things that we do and say and think that are wrong. Let's just do that in this quietness right now as these guys minister to us in the music. So let's just say a sorry prayer right now. sorry I really want to encourage us now to say thank you thank you that God the Father gave his son that Jesus came and took the punishment paid the penalty that we deserve to pay for our sins so that we might have freedom so let's right now again just in the quietness of our own minds as we each have our eyes closed let's just pray a thank you prayer encouragement is now for us to say please suggesting we, we pray a prayer which is please come I'll be at the very center of my life please come and take control of my life please come and guide my life that sort of prayer let's do it again the quietness of our own minds as these guys continue to play that prayer today as a recommitment to God or if you've prayed that prayer today for the very first time just where you stand everyone's got their eyes closed apart from me I want you to raise your hand if you've prayed that prayer for the first time or for as a recommitment thank you say thank you that you sacrificed your son I want to say thank you Jesus that you came and paid the price I want to say thank you that all that we've talked about in regard to Abraham and Isaac point towards the establishment of a people of God and that we can be part of that family and we say thank you in Jesus name Amen. Let's continue to worship God together as Esther and Josiah lead us.